0: have an apple tree in your backyard? okay? How many of you here went out to your apple tree this week and picked an apple off of it? No? Why? I know. I know. That's crazy. How many of you have blueberry, we'll call them trees, blueberry bushes trees? Any of you go out and pick any blueberries this week? No. Why not? What's the problem? Oh, got it. Some of you are thinking, Steve, if I want to pick them, I need to go to hometown market, and I can pick all that I want if I pay the money. Okay? But so I brought a couple of examples of fruit up here. And you know, fruit takes both both time and the right environment in order for it to produce beautiful fruit, right? It doesn't just happen overnight takes a lot of time. You know, actually, if your apple tree got over the frost that we had a few weeks ago, maybe you'll get apples in what, September? So about four or five months, somewhere in there. Um, So it takes a lot of time for a tree to produce the fruit that is needed. And so fruit is good for your body, but what we want to talk about over the next few weeks um, is a fruit that is good for your soul, a fruit that is a result. Actually, it's not even the focus, and we're, we're going to see that. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and, and I think even as you look in your own life, you know, and this is kind of the, as, we, as we start this series on the fruit of the Spirit, you know, when you step back and you examine your life, you know, Jason kind of said it, when you're laying in bed at night and you can't sleep or, or you have a few down moments, And you kind of have that look at your life moment. And so one of the questions we want to ask in this series is, what fruit is God producing in you? What fruit is God producing in you? As as you look at your life, you know, do you have examples of, you know what, that thought, or what I just said, or what I just did, is bigger than me. God is in in there somewhere, that what just happened isn't characteristic of me. God's doing something in and through me that is greater than me. And that's what we want to talk about. And we're going to kind of take a a section of the book of Galatians, and this is always the challenge of taking a section of a a letter that was written. And so um, before we get into it, I want to just kind of give you a little bit of a background. This letter um, of Galatians was written to um, actually the churches in the region of Galatia. Okay? So it was written to a number of local churches, just like this. They would stand up front. Read the letter. It was written to real, live, local churches. Okay? It was not written to the world. I don't want to make that distinction. It was written to the church. Because what is a church? A church is made up of believers in Jesus Christ. That's who the church is. And so, yes, the world hearing these words would be good, but the truth is... The world can't put this into practice if you don't know Christ as your Savior. It's going to sound like, I don't even know how to say it. It's going to sound like nonsense because it won't make sense. And this letter that Paul is writing is probably his strongest written letter. Why? Because Paul is hot under the collar. He is, I don't want to say ticked off, that's probably not good, but he is upset And you might be saying, Steve, why is he upset? Is that what you're saying? Why is he upset? Because there were false teachers that came in and were teaching the Gentiles that they needed to add something to the work of Christ, that they needed to also follow the law in order to have salvation. And in their terms, it was circumcision, that they needed to be, you couldn't just trust Christ You needed to trust Christ and be circumcised and follow the law. And because this violates the grace of Christ, Paul is writing this letter to argue and to challenge and to say, this is not right. He is upset. He is upset. He's correcting their bad doctrine. And you know what? This is really one of the purposes of the, the local church is we're to be the protector of truth. That's what we're to be doing, and it's very important. If you put this in in our terms, um, and again, I'll, I'll say this: um, you know, and I'm not saying everyone, but the, you know, a, an example of this today would be the Church of Christ. Um, you know, there's several churches of Christ around here. Part of their doctrine is that they will say that yes, you need to trust Christ as your Savior, but you also need to be baptized. If you're not baptized, then you're for, your sins aren't forgiven. So what you're really saying is when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he's saying, my blood helps, but you got to get dunked too. Is that true? No. But that's what the church of Christ teaches. And I'm sharing that because we need to know. And I think this is one where we live in this time where it's like, well, we just want to accept everything. No. False teaching is false teaching, and false teaching will get you lost. And no, we need to be teaching the truth. We need to bring correction. Now, we need to use grace. We need to use mercy. We need to be patient and come alongside. But this nonsense, well, you know what? Well, we don't want to offend the church of Christ. You know what? That's offensive to Jesus Christ, to add anything, amen, to add anything to the blood, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so that would be the example of what was going on um, here. And Paul is writing. And so, uh, and so we're, we're gonna see that as, as we see this section of scripture. Um, and so, and, and I think even for me as a pastor, like in our culture, I, I just see this more and more. Just an increasing, an increasingly minimizing the local church, the body of believers, and saying things like, you know what, yeah, you know what, I don't really need that. I, I can just walk with Jesus by myself. That's just not true. All the New Testament is written to local churches. All of it, every book. And so we need to fight against our culture. We need to fight against things that aren't true. And so this book of Galatians, and so let us I'm going to read this section that we're going to look at here. Um, Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16, he says this, And so what the bottom line that I think Paul is saying here is that because of Christ, because we have this new relationship with Christ, we have the power is available to us to live intimately with the living God of the universe. The power is in Him. And so we're going to see that, because he talks about another power in here. He talks in here first about That our flesh is powerful. Does anybody disagree in here that your flesh is powerful? Or does anybody agree? Maybe I said that wrong. How many of you think your flesh is powerful? It is very powerful. It's very powerful. And some of you might, well, what do you mean by your flesh? That part of you that is opposed to God, that part of you says, when God says go left, you say, I don't want to go left. I like right, just a little right. What, that's our flesh. It's our flesh that does that. He gives a list here. And again, this, isn't a, this is not an exhaustive list. This is just examples of what it means to follow your flesh. And basically, um, you know, it, it's doing whatever feels good. It, it's doing whatever... The masses out there are saying is okay and is acceptable. It's what the world says. That's what your flesh is. And when we live by our flesh, we demonstrate our lostness and spiritual blindness. And again, remember, Paul is writing to Christians here. And he's saying to Christians, your flesh is powerful. Your flesh is powerful. Why is it that we can sit in church and worship God and not take two minutes to get in the car and all of a sudden, how come you were just raising your hand saying, Jesus, I love you, and now get me a Big Mac or get out of my way or I'm going to bite your hand off? How does that happen? Because our flesh is powerful. Our flesh is very powerful. Now, we don't want to focus on our flesh because you know what? That's too easy. And again, the good news is that Jesus Christ conquered our flesh. Look look over to uh, verse 24, and he says this at the end. uh, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have, what does he say? Crucified Crucified the flesh. And so if you know Christ is your Savior, that's not a once and done. It's a starting place, but it means every second we need to keep crucifying our flesh, telling our flesh no, I'm not going to give in to you. I'm not going to do that. And so that's what Paul is saying here. The good news is that we don't have to. And so option one is the flesh is powerful, but option two, and there's only two options. Option two, what he's saying here is that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, as believers, the moment you trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit, God Himself. Doesn't just live out there. He came and is indwelling you in your soul, in your heart. He lives inside of you. And so, what he was saying is just because he's in there doesn't mean you're living a surrendered life. And so, he gives three different words here. Let me just highlight them. You know, look, He says in verse 16. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit. Look down in verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit. And the third one's down in verse 25. If we live by the Spirit. And so he's saying, walk, be led, and live. So he's saying it in contrast. Yes, your flesh is powerful, but you know what is more powerful than your flesh? The Holy Spirit, God himself, is more powerful. Now again, he gives two options. And basically what he's saying is, every second, you're making a choice. Which am I going to follow? i Am going to give in to my flesh? Am I going to give in to the Spirit? Every second. Now it's easy here. When you're at work tomorrow morning at 9.38, you're going to give in to your flesh? You're going to give in to the Holy Spirit. Who are you gonna follow? Every second. That's what he's saying here. So this isn't a once and done thing. This is a it's a it's a constant, it's kind of like breathing. You stop breathing for a few minutes and guess what? You're dead. Spiritually speaking, if we are not allowing the Holy Spirit to live his power through us, we might look good on the outside. We can fool everybody. But God's saying, you know what? You're not becoming like me. And so he gives these these three words. And again, walk and, and let's go back. And I'm spending a little bit more time on this because this is what sets the context of the fruit of the Spirit. The focus really of this whole series is walk with the Spirit of God. And if you're walking with the Spirit of God, guess what? You're going to be fruitful for God. Our focus isn't the fruit. Our focus isn't love, joy, peace, patience. That's not the focus. Our focus as believers is what? The Spirit. Exactly. The Spirit. And so he says here, and again, you can't see this in the English. I'll just give you the, the equivalent verse 15 or verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit. It's it's an imperative, which means it's a command. He's saying, this is a command to you believers. Do this. I'm commanding you to do it. And it's also in the plural. And so what does that mean? That means that, yes, we have to do this by ourselves, but we don't just do this by ourselves. And you're going to see this. You read through the whole New Testament, this idea that we can walk with Jesus by ourselves is just baloney. Like, it doesn't work. We need to be in community with one another. Now, it's not always like this, but we need to be rubbing off on one another in the Spirit. That's what he's saying here. And so this first one, walk by the Spirit. It's an imperative. And so what does that look like? I think it really, it it, it looks like having a conversation. The presence of God is with you. He is with you, and it so means wherever you're walking, wherever you're going, you are, into, you are asking, you are talking, saying, God, help me to see this moment through you. Help me to see this person the way you do. I have a, a, a problem at work. God, you are here, so help me to figure this out. Give me your wisdom to figure this out for your glory, and not just let everybody see that I'm a good guy or a good woman. Walking by the Spirit is about a constant conversation because if you're walking with someone and you're never talking to them, that would just be a little bit weird, wouldn't it? But walking by the Spirit means that we're constantly communicating and talking. Now, a lot of times it's on the inside. It's in our mind. It's in our heart. So you're not seeing it. Sometimes you might be. And so walking by the Spirit. Does that make sense? Well, if you didn't get that one, let's go to the next one. Verse 18. He gives three of them here. But if you are led, if you are led, verse 18, by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And so what is that? And, And actually the tense is here, it's a present passive. And so what does that mean? Being led by the Spirit. It means it's something that the Spirit does to you. You're in the passive state like Okay, this is, I'm following along with you, but yet I am passively coming along with you. That's the idea that he's giving here. It's a present passive. In other words, you're not the focus. Another way to put it would be, this is about, it's about surrender. It's about being behind him, the Holy Spirit. He's the one in front. I'm following his lead. And so in order to follow his lead, it means that you need to constantly be saying, all right, God, help me to reroute here. Help me to see what what are you doing in this moment? What does this look like? Being led by the Spirit. And again, it goes back to this is happening every second, every moment. Well, Steve, that sounds like a lot of work. It sure is. Walking with God is not for the wimps and easy. It's hard. Because it means we have to be continually be surrendering ourselves to the Lord. And so if you don't get walking, if you don't get led, he gives you another example. Verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Now, this is a present active. And so what that means is keep doing this. Don't give up. Okay, I did it this moment. Well, guess you have next moment. You don't give up. You live. This this is a this should be a pattern of your life. And so as I um, you know, and so the combination of all these, these three ways of saying it, you know, um, and, and I think part of this. This doesn't mean you, you listen to the Spirit of God and then you're not listening to the Word of God. Part of following the Spirit of God is following, is putting the Word of God into our minds and into our hearts. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And so we can't be led by the Spirit of God if we're not allowing the Word of God to permeate our thoughts and our actions and what, we, what we're thinking and doing. And so God also uses the body of Christ, and I think this is where community is very important as well, because we can get off. I can't tell you how many times I think, well, man, I feel God doing this in my life. And then someone says, "Uh, Steve, I don't think that's God. I think that's another spirit. I'm not in tune with the spirit of God. Sometimes I think it's the spirit of God, but I'm angry or I'm going to go tell this person, or I've got to bring this up. And this is why we need people in our life as well to help us discern. We were never created to walk with God independently. But we need one another to help correct and say, you know what, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Or, you know what, I, I'm not sure that God's saying that. And so this is every second of the day. It's constant. But his power is what enables us to do it. So our focus is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. I, I don't know what other translations, you know. Um, we've, we've just been watching in, in our house a couple of the Star Wars movies. And this is in contrast. The Holy Spirit is not a force. He's not some... No. That, see... That that's you know this world would love you to think that you just follow the force you know and you watch there like Chewbacca or whatever is getting his lifesaver you know no that's I mean we're laughing but yet at the same time the Holy Spirit is not a force he's personal he is God he is a person he is a being he is real he has emotions and will and all those things he's not a force. He's a person. So believer, you you are never alone. God is always with you. Always. And so uh, one last thing here as we get into, uh, we're just going to look at the first fruit that he gives here. And and so one of the keys, uh, um, uh, look over in uh, verse uh, 22. But the fruit, and here again, Keen observation is critical when you're studying the Bible. He says, fruit, what, what it, what, uh, I can't even think of the right word. Is that, is that singular or plural? Singular. <laughs> okay, that's why we're stepping, I know it's 930. If it was plural, what, what would he say? The fruits of the Spirit. But the fruit, so he's giving us a list, but he's saying in terms of this is one fruit. Now again, this is where I think the analogy is. In our house, you know, um, you get fruit salad, you know, different places. And um, depending what is in the fruit salad, um, there can be a pile off to the side. And what is in the pile off to the side? The fruit that you don't like. Okay, and whatever it is, fill in the blank. And I think sometimes we treat the fruit of the spirit the same way. Well, I like that kindness one, so I'm going to really focus on that kindness fruit. But that whole self control thing, eh, push that off to the side. I don't want anything to do with that one. What's the problem with that? Well, there's a number of problems with that. You can't separate. I mean. These, the fruit of the spirit, these are character qualities that describe who God is and how he lives and what he does. And so you can't separate them out and say, you know what, I like the kindest one. But man, that whole self-control thing, I don't like that. You Can't do it. Your flesh can do it. Your flesh will do it. Your flesh will come up with all kinds of reasons why, you know what, why you don't have to Practice self-control. The problem is the flesh isn't going to get you more like God. Only the Spirit of God can get you more like God. And so that's what we see here. And so basically what is he saying here? He's saying that if, if you walk and are being led and you are living By the Holy Spirit, what will you do more of? What's the first one? Love. You know how you're in tune with the Spirit of God? You will love more. You will love more. Now, let me caution you here. What does it mean to love? Because we hear that word all over the place, right? You need to love, not hate. This world talks about love, but they really don't know the type of love that God's love is. God's love is agape. God's love is sacrificial. God's love is giving when you don't feel like it. It's giving when you've been hurt and wounded. It's used 235 times in the New Testament. Here's a a quote by Vincent it's an, you know, love, it's an inner inclination of people towards other people or things. It's more mental than sentimental. It's more mental than sentimental, meaning that it's much more about what you do than how you feel about it. That's the bottom line. Because all these commands in the, in the, in the scriptures about love, love one another, love one another, can God command you to feel something? No. Because commands are about, this is what you need to do. And if you do what is right, your feelings will come along eventually. But the focus isn't your feelings. focus is doing what is right. Doing what is right. So what does this look like? Um, and I just have to uh, look back to two, uh, chapter 2, verse 20. I think he, he gives, he, I mean, I'm just going to illustrate it from uh, the book of Galatians here. So the fruit of the Spirit is love. You will love more. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the example of love is God, right? And Paul's writing this. So as Paul's writing these words, God's, God's love for me, Paul. He thinks back to when he was Saul. He thinks back to when he was killing followers of Jesus Christ. And how was God treating him when he was killing followers of Christ? God was pursuing him. God was caring for him. God was seeing Paul for who he would become. He didn't say, you knucklehead, I'm going to take you out. He said, no, no, I'm going to use you to turn this world upside down. That's love. He didn't see Paul for who he was. He saw Paul for who he would make him to become. You think in the Old Testament, we all kinds of examples, the nation of Israel, they constantly rebelled against God. And so in their rebellion, how did God treat them? Did God say, you know what, I'm through with you, you morons, I'm done. Is that what God did? No, he kept pursuing them. Now he disciplined them, and he he followed through. But at the same time, God's love was sacrificial. So I think this is where it comes back to you, the the spirit of love. For you, who is in your life right now that it is difficult for you to love? Don't say it out loud, and don't nudge anybody next to you. Okay, but seriously. Who in your life, and I guarantee there's someone in your life right now that is hard for you to love. And so the fruit of the Spirit is love. And so what does that mean? It means you need to walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit. Because God wants you to give to that person and they probably don't deserve it. And neither did you. Well, Steve, I, I can't do that. You're right. you got to put your hands up and say, God, you have to take over. You have to help me. I don't even want to do it. God, you have to help me. Look down in chapter 5, verse 6. He says it again. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Faith working through love. And here's where I'd ask you the question, just real practical. When you walk through your workplace, and I know some of you students, you're out of school now, pretend you're back in school. I don't want to do that. Okay, just pretend you're back in school. When you walk through the halls of your school, do you ask the Spirit of God, God, who, who do I need to love today? Who do I need to give to today? Do you ask him and then wait for him to to point someone out or to show you? That's what walking by the Spirit is. God, I'm in this moment. Help me to see, who who do you want me to give to? And then when he points it out, you're probably going to be like, I can't do that. Now, you're not going to say it out loud. He's like, I know. If you could do it without me, then what's the point? What's the point? We need God's help. The last one here, look down in uh, chapter 5, verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. It's really what the whole law is all about. Love is serving others. I mean, this is where I'm, I might have shared this before, but where God's growing me is... and. It's happening through a number. I stink at listening. I'm so focused on what I'm going to say that I don't listen. God keeps hitting me to say, you know what loving your children means? You know what loving at Marketplace Chaplain? You know what love? It means close your mouth and listen to what people are saying. Well, I like to talk. I'll say it again. Listen. I think this is when we think about your own home, right? The hardest place to love is in your own home. Now, your family knows that you love them, but yet, really, where are you sacrificing? Where are you giving and you don't really feel like it? That's the test. That is the fruit of the Spirit of God. Not just you doing what you have the ability to do, that's walking by the flesh. Walking by the spirit of God is, God, help me to do what you want me to do in this moment. So it's not an easy thing. God has to produce it in us. It takes a lot of surrender on our part. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And and as we sing uh, these next couple songs, we'll uh, receive our offering as well in, in, in part of this. Let me pray. Uh, Lord, we just uh, thank you, God. Thank you that you have given us the Holy Spirit. God, you are with us. We can never say, I I didn't have enough. God, if we're really honest, a lot of times we're just too fleshly, we're too focused on me. And so, God, I pray that we would have ears to hear. God, your still, small voice, as we sing these songs, as we we give in worship. God, that we would have ears to hear your voice. And that we would be willing to obey you. That we would be willing to act. That we would be willing to move. out of obedience to you. And in your name we pray. Amen.